0: August Young, how you doing? Good, Becca. And the Offspring. How's it going, Becca? Dave Grohl, how you going, mate? Good, ma'am. Pete, it's been a long time coming. Oh, Becca, it hasn't it, indeed. We go inside the dressing room, speak to the biggest names in music. Keith Richards the Rolling Stones. And crack open their esky. <laughs> That's exactly how I imagined you, by the way, sitting opposite me with a vodka and orange. You're a discerning chap. This is The Rider. Hey, this is the Beko. Welcome back to The Rider. We are celebrating Under the Southern Stars coming to Australia after two false starts because of COVID. It is finally happening, and what a lineup! Bush are coming. Stone Temple Pilots. Pretty pumped about this. Cheap Trick. The Legends, a punk, coming to Australia. And also... Rose Tattoo. What a lineup. Touring across Australia from March 11 through to 27. And we are celebrating on the Rider Podcast. We've had Gavin Rossdale from Bush. If you missed that chat, you can subscribe now and catch up on all platforms. On Monday, it's Eric Kretz from Stone Temple Pilots and also the legendary Robin Zander from Cheap Trick the following week. But right now on the phone, he's ready to jump on that plane. I have to use the word legendary again because it's the only way to describe him. Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. How are you doing? Well, I'm I'm legendary. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, my congratulations. Number one, somehow you survived COVID. <laughs> what have you been doing during lockdown? Have you done some recording? Have you got some more uh, new, new material to come a bit later on after this new album? Yeah, I do,
1: or we do, or whatever. And it's like, I haven't been, you know, I tell people it's like... uh it's not really inspiring this, this no, no it's, year, it's it's not but, no. it's also, but it's but it's been it's been it's been interesting and um i actually got to meet my family again which i now they're gone out of here so it's like I, i've seen them now that let's go back to work
0: got to keep the 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 fingers uh you know any every guitarist otherwise you get arthritis you got to keep the fingers going um um rather than uh, you know just do nothing so i'm sure it gets quite boring being a a guitarist, and um, in fact, how many guitars well, do you own?
1: Well, I have about five hundred now. I just actually five hundred two. I just bought two guitars the last two days.
0: <laughs> and how many five neck guitars do you have? Because you got that famous one we all know about, but how many?
1: Uh, well, I have three: the, the original orange one, then the checkerboard one, and then the, the third one is, is a carina made out of carina wood, and instead of having a mere thirty six strings. Like the other ones do, it has 38 because it has a mandocello instead of a guitar neck.
0: Is there a limit on how many necks you can have, though, before it gets a bit tedious? Like, like uh, what, what is your ideal?
1: Uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but I, it was my idea, so I had to live with it.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, it's
1: been it... fun. You know, it's, I did it for fun. But I had to make sure they, that every neck worked, and they do. I just had to get my arms longer.
0: Now, there's actually some folklore. I don't know how true it is, but to this day, you are the noisiest band to ever play in Sydney. Because I heard that in '81, when you played the Horden, they had to change the noise regulations because you literally hold the noise level record.
1: All right, cool. The Horden Pavilion, right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I could I, you know, I don't think that was anything we set out to do. but it's like, uh, want to make sure everybody could hear us.
0: <laughs> actually. Now on that, how is the hearing? Because I mean, playing an old age, uh, you know, things change. You know, do you, you have to actually crank it up to be able to sort of do it like that? Because I actually remember I was in the photo pit on your last tour, and I remember how loud your uh, guitar amp was. It was it was louder than anything I've ever heard before. What did you say? I heard. I heard you. you oh, sorry. You, <laughs> you, you're, 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 yeah. what?
1: Jesus. Uh, don't they have humor in australia you yeah,
0: got me do. you bloody got me so
1: uh good well you better leave that one in then i don't believe uh, it. <laughs> i'm trying to think it's like uh there was a years ago uh nirvana used to, kurt cobain used to say we're we're like cheap trick except uh, our guitars are, are louder and I, and I said wait a minute our guitars are plenty loud but you know i don't i really don't uh try to be so loud. I think that's probably what comes off the PA, because uh, I'm using the same amps that I have since 1977. I had uh, had six amps Fender Deluxes made for me by Paul Rivera. We put in a bigger speaker and a heavier duty uh, magnet in there, or transformer. And it's like, uh, that's what I basically use. And then I have another ISO amp behind the the stage that, uh, that I mix it with it. So, let's blame somebody else. Yeah, blame okay, somebody we else. were
0: loud. How have things changed though? Uh, being, uh, you know, an elder statesman of rock and roll, like, um, you know, like, like you guys were the, you know, the the the, I guess the granddaddies of the punk rock scene. You got so many bands that look up to you over the years. And uh, how do you stop touring being a chore?
1: Well, we, you know, I think all of us like what we do, and. Uh, and, you know, the the traveling part wears you out, but the playing is like, that's the highlight of everybody the day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, because like, I treat every audience like the, I treat every audience equally awful. I mean, <laughs> it's like, the, the yeah, you know, I'm just like, you go out there and it's like, uh, the people that are there tonight weren't there last night, so they, you know, you better be good tonight. That's the way it's always kind of been. Yeah. And you know, it's like, and, and we're not like studio musicians or play to tapes or whatever. So it's, it's all live. And so like our mistakes are real.
0: I sort of want to ask you about Live at Budokan as well, because that, that, that is your well, highest selling album, but also it, it's such an iconic album as well. And um, I don't think there are many live albums that become so big as that one did. How did that happen? Well, kind of a
1: long story, but it's like the uh, first hits we ever had were in Japan. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, Clock Strikes 10 was number one. And uh, and a studio version of I Want You to Want Me did really well. And uh, so when we went to Japan the first time, 78, uh, all the shows were sold out. Uh, the record company uh, was going from um, Sony Records to Epic Sony. So that we were the first record on that label. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, they
1: were, and they were making a record for the fans or the, the new japanese fans that we had and it's like uh so we recorded it and the guy that was a uh, our pr or our a and r guy his name was norio nanaka and uh that, so that was his first record and the other guy that was with us was joe morita and joe morita was uh, a say oh, morita kid and he was the president of sony <laughs> started sony right but we didn't really know that so so we treated him equally awful. But the, the last time we were there, uh, Norio Nanaka was now the president. And that was his idea to have us do the, the record for the fans, not knowing that it was going to be released in the States and Australia and whatever. It was just it was done that way. They liked our band so much uh, that uh, and we, were, we were getting a lot of fan mail from, from opening for other bands that uh, were big in Japan. And that's kind of how it started.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a, one of those things where uh, there aren't many live albums that become bigger than the the, the studio recordings, and you know, the Live at Budokan is one of them. I, I guess Talking Head Stop making sense is another one as well. But there aren't many that have that level of success.
1: Yeah, well, we did uh, shows with the Who, in in, in Nuremberg with with ACDC actually, and uh, I I got a picture of here's Pete Townsend. He came up to me. and said, Rick, how'd you get that song on the Live at Budokan record? I said, you did Live at Leeds. What are you asking me for? You know, so. <laughs> yeah.
0: Actually, on but ACDC, before cool you move on, it. you guys have got a huh? secret song with ACDC sitting on a shelf somewhere, I heard.
1: Yeah, we do. I, that was one of the things I was going to write down. I'm going to send it to uh, Chris, our guy from uh, the record company. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh, we used to do flip-flop shows with us. You know, They'd open one night, and we'd open the next night. And it, it it was so great because, I mean, it was like one of the few bands I've ever sat and watched their whole set every night. But they were so good, you know. It was so, even if I'd heard the same stuff, I mean, watching Phil Rudd play the drums, uh, Malcolm was like the ultimate uh, rhythm player, and just their songs were so fun. And plus, I knew him with, with Bon Scott. Yeah. And uh, and I, I, I took Bon Scott to a, have his first taco we ever had, the Mexican <laughs> place. Uh, he had a taco and some scotch. I don't think he ate the taco. But yeah, but not. then I, those guys came over to my house, too. Yeah, they came to my house. Uh, and I had just bought another house that I was going to renovate. And so they came to my little house, and I drove them over to the place that I had just bought. And then the, the last tour that they were on with Malcolm, uh, it was the last show I flew down to Nashville. And they had nobody in the backstage area with all the stars in Nashville that wanted to see him Because most of those country stars used to be rock and roll guys that, that,
0: that's right. that yeah.
1: uh, gave up and went to the country. It was like, <laughs> we were the only ones there. And so I walk in the dressing room and uh, Angus and Malcolm, hey Rick, you still living in Rockford? <laughs> yeah, okay. it remember going to my house back in 79. Wow.
0: Were you expecting the same success for ACDC when they, um, you know, lost Bond and, and and got Brian? Was that a surprise for you? Um Yeah,
1: because, you know, nobody could uh, replace Bond. I thought, you know, because it's like, because he was so uh, unique, like it was re- replacing Freddie Mercury or something. Yeah, but Bond yeah. was like, to me, he was like the ultimate pirate. You know, he was like all <laughs> tattooed. He, he, he had the swagger, and he, had, he was the real deal. He reminded me of, of Alex Harvey, who I was a, a fan of. And he, he just had that kind of rock and roll sense to him. It was, like, it was so cool. And he was, but he was the sweetest guy. But, you know, he'd look like he'd knock your head know, if you said the wrong thing to him.
0: Oh, that's what everyone Maybe says. He, would, you know, he, had the, like, he had the charm that, uh, you know, would charm the ladies, would charm anyone, to be honest. But um, but he also looked like a guy who would headbutt you for a beer or a scotch. Yeah. The fact that we toured with
1: him, and the fact that, yeah, I'll, I'll send you that, uh, that uh, it's, an, it's audio only yeah. of us playing the Johnny B. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, it was it's funny, you know, because, you know we don't we don't really go jam or they don't do that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm I'm uh, one of two people that have ever played with live on stage with Kiss. You know it's like Joe Perry did and I did. It's like uh, you know because guys in Kiss liked me and and they liked Joe Perry. But it's like playing with ACDC that doesn't happen. You know you don't you don't have guest stars come over there. And I wasn't a fan of uh, axel so it's like I was not looking forward to that. But to, actually. Uh, he was actually better than some of the other uh, guys that were in the band at that time.
0: Oh, yeah, Axel um, had, a, he had, a had a vocal range. Phil
1: Rudd yeah. Well, it, it, was, it was better than I thought. And I, I was just worried that they were going to try to get Robin to steal it, steal <laughs>
0: him from us. <laughs> but you're right talking about Phil Rudd. Phil Rudd is still one of the greatest drummers in the world.
1: Oh yeah, he doesn't. He's not doing anything fancy, but it's like it's just there. i so bad I, when he got arrested.
0: Now you you got to. Also, play with the angels, who had a lot to do with a c d c over the years, especially in the early years. you played with them, I think at the Horden here in Sydney in ninety one and I heard a rumor that Doc Neeson, the lead singer of the Angels, had to come on during your set to calm the crowd down because they'd fired them up so much. Do you remember that If he said it, <laughs>
1: he was going to argue with them could be because uh, I helped them out when they got their equipment stolen oh really Chicago. tell us tell us about that you know here they are they're. In Chicago, we'd play already played with them someplace, mm. a number of places. And We played with them in France, in France, and all kinds of stuff. And I got a phone call. I said, "Hey, it's the guys from the Angels." And they were Angel City in the U.S., but it's like I knew it was the Angels because I knew him from before. Yeah. And uh, they were in Chicago and they left their truck somewhere. I said, "Are you crazy? You, you don't leave your truck in Chicago, <laughs> all places, with a full of equipment, full of equipment." So, so they got a stolen. And so I you know, I collect guitars and stuff. And plus I like those guys, so I drove into Chicago, brought all my gear for them so they could even do the show.
0: Yeah. Uh. That's incredible. Yeah. And I, I love how naive they were just leaving a truck full of, you know, thousands of bucks worth of gear on an American street. Yeah. In
1: Chicago of all places. Of all places. You, know, you get your car stolen even if your car's not there. <laughs>
0: Hey, Rick, it's so good to speak to you. And look, uh, we're so happy to have you coming back to Australia under the Southern Stars uh, with Cheap Trick. And uh, it's going to be just amazing, especially a brilliant lineup as well with uh, you and Bush and Stone Temple Pilots.
1: Yeah, Angry Anderson. How about him?
0: Yeah, and Angry's also on the tour. So it's it's going to be just nuts. And uh, it's so good to have live music back. And Rick, will be giving you a big hug. Congratulations and thanks so much for, for coming along.
1: Yo, uh, come over to the hotel and I can wave at you. I'll yeah,
0: you-
1: <laughs> I'll do that. All right, all right.
0: Okay, cool. It's like speaking to rock royalty. There we go, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. What about that story about the Angels as well? Uh, We've got so much more to come on the rider as we celebrate Under the Southern Stars. Monday, we speak to the drummer of Stone Temple Pilots, Eric Kretz. Tell you what, he's got some stories about all those years touring, uh, also the tough years of Stone Temple Pilots and how they've continued with a brand new lead singer. And the following week, Robin Zander, the lead singer, of Cheap Trick as well. So much to come as we celebrate under the Southern Stars. Get your tickets now. It all starts March 11. This is the rider of Rebecca. Catch you then.